Life can throw a lot at you. But imagine if your life were different, better, not because of what's coming at you, but because of what's coming from you. Let's get there together. Join us and imagine yourself. Welcome, welcome. We're your hosts. I'm Lene. And this is Sandy. And Lene, what are we imagining today? Imagine yourself living life without the burden of perfectionism. I want you to sit and think back to your very first kiss. Uh Uh-oh. Yeah. Also, okay, how about your very first date ever? Like first, first? First, first. Okay. Everybody out there, think about your first day of school, your first day on the job. What about the first time you ever drove a car? So basically you're doing big firsts in someone's life, things that they would anticipate, maybe be a little bit nervous about, and then it happens, and what's the feeling? Is that where we're leading us? Well, that, but also when you think back to your first kiss or the first time you drove a car, it's the first thing you think in your head, oh my gosh, it was so perfect. Absolutely not. It's a disaster. (laughs) Well, the car part was uh, medium, but the first kiss, yeah. Awkward. It was awkward. Uh, But now would you change it or did some aspect of that help kind of make your life a little more interesting that it wasn't so perfect? No, no. I think it actually did. Although at the time it felt a little awkward. Looking back, the awkwardness kind of made it a little bit special. That's what we're getting at today as far as we're taught to strive for perfection. We hope to have a perfect first date and a perfect first day on the job and perfect results and perfect everything. But many times, that's not what happens. Things don't turn out perfectly. And maybe we're better off when we don't have perfection as our goal. When we just enjoy the moment, when we just aren't concentrating so much on, uh, okay, well, driving technique, yeah, that's something you have to, (laughs) but first date, I mean, not even just your first date, first date, but your first date with anybody, like, you know, think back, like when you met your husband, how was your first date? The good part was I didn't necessarily have it in my mind that he was the one, so I was very relaxed as far as just deciding I'm just going to go for fun, whatever. I did not expect perfection. And maybe that's what made it so comfortable and led to where we are now, 20 years married. Yeah. <laughs> you know. So if you had gone in with the expectation is, okay, this guy is maybe the one for me, so I better do this and I better do that. I better not say this and I better act like that. I would not have been myself. I would not have enjoyed it as much. I don't think he would have gotten to see the real me. I'm glad it wasn't perfect. So when you were dating your husband at that time in your life, did you want to eventually get married? Or was that something that was on your radar? I want to do it pretty soon. Or were you? Well, now he was my college sweetheart. Oh. So I was not necessarily thinking about marriage. (laughs) Then I was just thinking about dating. And he seemed like a nice enough guy. (laughs) And there was chemistry. But. Nothing about it seemed like this is going to be my husband. He's the perfect person for the future. And I guess we weren't yet. We we dated for four years before we got married. So we evolved into into ourselves and we got, it got better. I just, I really struggled with perfectionism for a good deal of my life. 
And now that I'm older, I feel that I could have saved a lot of anxiety, a lot of worry if I had just tried or if I continue now to live in a way that I'm not always searching for perfection. So then are there other areas of life that you struggle with perfectionism, like maybe mom guilt? Mom guilt. Sandy, we have to talk about mom guilt. I know, because it's, I don't care if your kids, if it's a newborn or college or beyond. I have two thoughts on mom guilt. First part is back in the day, back in the olden days, <laughs> generationally speaking, I feel that, and maybe I'm wrong, but I feel that like the baby boomers generation did not have this ideal that you have to be a perfect mom. You have to be a perfect parent. They didn't seem to care as much if you hurt their child's feelings. No, or... they didn't, did they? I mean, our my parents, it was completely different. You'd go outside and play and they wouldn't worry about you. Well, that's a whole different issue. but Yeah, the safety part. But I'm kind of getting at a part where many of my girlfriends and ladies that I know struggle with I don't want to break my child's spirit. I don't want to harm them in such a way psychologically that later they're just broken. And everything, every single decision and movement is considered as a possible, if I mess this up and it's not perfect, I've ruined my child. Yeah. I've ruined their life. Well, there's so much information. Like every five seconds, you know, something might pop up on your Twitter feed or Facebook or something, you know, five steps to making your kid the perfect genius <laughs> yes. or, and you better feed them organic food and you better yes. do this. Yeah. And sign them up for too many activities or not enough activities. Right, or right. Tiger mom phenomenon. Yes. Also, I want to take the burden off and actually believe that with good intentions and with good discipline, our children will turn out just fine and kind of go back to the generations where I feel like we all turned out okay. <laughs> I think so. One of the things that I learned pretty early is you need to have let your child fail and yes. because they have to deal with that in life. Yes, please. That is that is my plea to let them learn coping skills and let them learn how to bounce back after a failure so that they don't feel that they have to be perfect and you don't feel that you have to be perfect as their mom. The best way that we can learn anything is by making a mistake. And I think, you know, you can scroll through your Instagram feed and see all kinds of quotes about failing forward and how great failure is. But do we really take that in? I mean, do we really appreciate how great a failing experience can be and how much we can learn from that? Because when you look back on some of your greatest successes, it probably came off of a big failure or things you learned from failing. And whether we're talking about our kids failing or whether we're talking about us, because we're still dealing with it too, just as people, not even as parents, that's the way you get from point A to point B. You usually don't just like, okay, I'm going to graduate from college and now I'm going to have a six-figure job and, and I'm going to do everything perfectly. It doesn't work that way. I have a little story for you. Okay that kind of blows perfection right out the window and that embraces errors and mistakes in life. This is something that my daughter told me about it. Little known fact, I guess I didn't know, but it's about post-it notes. Post-it notes, <laughs> kicking it old school with the post-it yes, notes. Post-it yes. notes. Back in 1968, a scientist at the 3M company was trying to create the perfect 
adhesive, one that was really, really strong. But what he ended up creating accidentally was a very weak adhesive that would simply peel off easily any time it was removed from a substance. And that was just completely imperfect. There was just seemingly no use for it. Until a fellow scientist figured he could use it on little slips of paper because he wanted to have little bookmarks for his church songbook, <laughs> little bookmarks that would not leave any residue behind, and voila, you take imperfection and you make it magical, perfect, <laughs> popular, usable post-it notes. I love that. <laughs> I, I think I had heard that before, but I forgot all about that story. That's amazing. He invented something accidentally yeah. because he made a mistake. And I, I can't remember how many things Thomas Edison failed on before he actually invented some of his greatest inventions. And I don't know that he, you know, how his level of frustration was during the process of failing and how his spirit continued to believe that one day this is going to go right. This is going to be okay. And I just feel like we must remember that. It, sometimes we feel so down and so defeated and so low and so imperfect and so far from our goals that it seems hopeless and it's not. And every time you see a little post-it note. Love post-it notes, but I don't think we use them as often anymore because we use the notes on our phones and we're always on our phones. Well, I mean, there's good and bad things to use in cell phones overall. It's just how you use it. It's The problem is, and this is a topic for another conversation, but it, it's addicting. And yes. social media is addicting. That's another thing our kids are growing up with. And another thing that feeds into perfectionism is when you are scrolling through your Instagram feed and you see all these people with these perfectly staged photos with the perfect filter, the perfect selfies that they've gotten just the right angle on. And you can even download apps that are almost literally like having Photoshop on your phone that you can doctor it up. You're scrolling through and you're seeing everybody else's perfection. And you're like, I don't look like that. Now that makes me think, honestly and truly, doesn't it make you think that we need to work from the inside out if we want to? I feel like we're sometimes starting from the wrong place. We want to perfect our looks. We want to perfect our image. But what if we, if we really just wanted to go ahead and roll with perfectionism, what if we tried to perfect our insides first? There are so many examples of how we should live and what we should concentrate. And we're told to not concentrate on what we'll wear and what we'll eat and drink. But I feel that there's a moment where sometimes you have to stop and remember what's really important. And that if you know that you have issues with concentrating on perfectionism, start with the fruits of the spirit. We are told to concentrate on developing our levels of patience mm -hmm. and love, our faithfulness, self-control. That's a big one. Yeah. Kindness is a huge one that our whole country and world needs. Kindness. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Joy, peace, gentleness. These are fruits. It's a wonderful standard to teach children. I know there's that book long years ago, Everything I Needed to Know I Learned in Kindergarten. Yes, yeah. And these are those same principles. These are simple, simple concepts. Everybody knows these things, I believe. But to sit down and take a moment 
away from everything. Put your phone down, <laughs> breathe, and actually embrace some of these concepts and really think, where in my life do I need to practice more self-control? With whom do I need to offer more patience? How do I bring my life to a space where I am bringing peace and love into my home, into my heart, into my life, into my relationships? Where can I show kindness? Where can I believe that there's still gentleness in this world? Turn the, the news off for a quick you know, yeah. week or so and really focus on pushing out into the world some of these beautiful things as opposed to absorbing some of the negative things. We are what we think about, right? Yes. And if we're constantly bombarded, whether it's watching news or on our social feeds or, you know, wherever we're getting the negative information. And unfortunately, the great majority of what's out there is negative because that's what gets people to tune in. That's what gets links to be clicked on. So you have to kind of make an effort yes. to seek these things out. I just had to put that out there. I know that we talk about things in life overall, but I had to at least mention the part about concentrating on some of those beautiful things that are within humans, really can be found and can be spread. So kind of putting a bow on this, what we're saying is the striving from perfection is pretty much mostly based on external things. All of these things we worry about, what are people thinking about us? When if we just concentrate on doing our best, concentrating on the fruits of the spirit, working on ourself, and not worrying about, is it going to be perfect? Right. Uh, the, perfection does not have to be the goal. Actually, bite-sized pieces, taking into account, evaluating your own personal situations and realizing there are areas of my life that if I can be better at, so I'm an advocate for bettering oneself, mm -hmm. but not necessarily making the standard perfection and choosing air, choosing an area, like I said, even from the fruits of the spirit, choosing an area. Patience is a big one for a lot of people. Faithfulness is a tough one. And especially self-control. Mm. And that self-control, picking up the smartphone when you don't need to, looking at the news when maybe you're not meant to, going inward versus outward. If you work on those things and you better yourselves, you better your lives. And you also get to know more about how you're wired. I'm no electrician, but I do know that uh, <laughs> wiring is a thing with humans. Mm -hmm. And many times we may have problems in our relationships because we expect other people to be wired the same way that we're wired. Mm. And our expectations are just off the mark. And perhaps if we can stop finding so much fault with others and stop trying to make them see things our way, we might even learn something from them. We yeah. might learn that, and th that maybe they're not wrong, we're not wrong, but you can merge things and turn out with a viewpoint and a perspective that's better than what you had on your own. Yeah, like that famous book, Love Languages by Gary Chapman. Yes. It's kind of the same way. I think that more relates to maybe a relationship, but it could be like any kind of a situation, whether it's a coworker or a friend, doesn't have to be a romantic relationship. 
But if, yeah, if somebody's wired differently and you're doing something that you think they're going to appreciate, but they actually doesn't, <laughs> doesn't do anything for them. Like typically men are wired to maybe do things for their wives, maybe perform tasks or like my husband is an engineer and he does things in the studio for me. And I mean, that and he keeps up my car and he does things like that. But what I want is his attention and his... And words of affirmation is yes, one that yes. I personally need. And that's not really my husband's thing. Um. But we need to, you know, we need to appreciate what they do bring to the table and they, us, right? So, and coupled with that, appreciate what they do bring to the table and love them for who they are and see the, the ways that they express their love to us. But also, we have female friends, we have siblings or sisters or cousins that can give some of that affirmation. They can sit and chat with us and give those long talks and give us some of that compassion and comfort when, mm-hmm. we, when we're hurt, where we don't need to expect and have the expectation that our husband would serve in that role. That's why we're given girlfriends. And, yeah, you know, yeah. Cousins. We, and- <laughs> generally, guys are wired differently. And I love the fact that there are men that are more sensitive in that way. And if you happen to be, be married to one, consider yourself lucky. lucky. But, <laughs> and it can cause so much misunderstanding. And whether we're talking about that romantic husband and wife thing, or we're talking about like just ways that your coworker might operate differently. Yes. I mean, it's the same thing. You learn how people are wired, like you said. Learn and, and then try to use it for best advantage and try to, in a good way, <laughs> and, uh, and try to, to meet the person halfway, learn from them and see how they work and they can see how you work. It just makes for much better life, much better relationships, as opposed to only, only digging in on the aspect of they don't understand me, they don't get it, you know, just try to change that thought process and, and change your expectations. And I got to tell you something else. Sandy, how good are you with vocabulary words? I think I'm all right. I don't know. It depends. <laughs> what are you pulling out there? I'm pulling out here. There's a reason that the English language has vocabulary words that begin with R-E. R-E, it comes from the Latin root word for again. <laughs> I've got a nice accent now, but it gives us the opportunity to do things again so that we can get better and better. And it works under the assumption that things don't necessarily have to be perfect the first go round. So that's that whole part about that first kiss and that first job. It doesn't have to be perfect. I love the fact that we can restart and rebuild and reinvent and renew and repair, that God can restore us. We can recreate our lives. We can recreate our situations. I believe in, in re. No, I like that. <laughs> I want to kind of express and embrace and put out there the opportunities that are available with the words that begin with re. There are always redos. Redos. You yes. have a redo. There are very few things in life that you can't have a redo on. You mentioned with God. I mean, it says in the Bible, his mercies are new every morning. Yes. You had a screwy day. Yes. Tomorrow. It's another day, like yeah. Scarlett O'Hara. Yes. Yeah. yeah. And we really need to perhaps focus on that, remember that, 
Because like I said, sometimes it just gets so, you're in such a rut. You're in such a deep, dark place. And it may not feel temporary, although it is temporary, but it feels like when is this going to end? And we have to remember <laughs> that, <laughs> there you go again. <laughs> that we will be able to repair things. We will be able to renew again. I really wanted to concentrate on that. That came to me that re is is a powerful thing. I would like you to remind me of that <laughs> as many times as you would like to. I hope that everyone will reflect on all of these uh, wonderful things. <laughs> Just be blessed. Be a blessing. Take care of yourselves. Take care of others. Good stuff, Lene. Thanks. Well, let's go out. Now that we've reimagined ourselves... Let's actually leave behind the stress of being perfect. But easier said than done, right? How do we do that? Maybe you got some takeaways for us. Of course. Let's start by consider bettering ourselves instead of concentrating on pure perfection all the time. That sounds a lot easier. Okay. Yes. (laughs) How about this? Let's work from the inside out. Maybe take one thing like kindness or peace or self-control and developing that one thing in your life. So it's not so overwhelming. You focus on one thing at a time, right? Exactly. Okay. Like it? Also, here's a big one. Try not to have expectations of perfection in others. You might just learn from them. Yeah, I have to say expecting perfection in others can cause a lot of um, misunderstandings, maybe (laughs) fights even, right? Yes, and we want to stop that. Right, expectations from others can be a killer. Okay, move on. And you have something else? I have also even learn from your own mistakes. Learn to fail forward because you might be a post-it note accident turn phenomenon. <laughs> or you might do something cooler than inventing post-it notes. I don't know. They are pretty cool. Yeah, I guess you can't really argue with the success. And what a great story that was. So we need to go back to what you said about the using the RE to renew your life, right? That's right. Sandy, we definitely do. I want everyone to think about it because what's stopping you? Imagine yourself living life without the burden of perfectionism. Thanks for listening. Now we'd like to hear from you. Got an idea for the show? Want to share your story or just say hello? Make sure you connect with us. You can do that at imagineyourselfpodcast.com. And we'll talk to you again next time when we have something new to imagine. 